I hadn't started recording. And that's where, you know, we, I always try to bring it back to we're the body of Christ. And God needs the whole body. You know, he needs an ear, he needs an elbow, he needs a nose, he needs an eye. And so that's what we bring to the table as the body of Christ. And so that's where sometimes people need that much more, you know, they need pastor to talk to them, all right, and, and give them that word of encouragement as he does on that part. But then sometimes he'll be like, Mike, you need to call and talk to them uh, because believe it or not, you know, mine's not as much that. Mine's a little more like this uh, on that part there. And so, but that's where maybe that was what John Mark needed at that point. He just needed that softer on that. So. Mike, <clears throat> Gene, I didn't make it last week. That's okay. Sometimes that'll happen, brother. That traffic coming all the way from Raleigh. Yeah, it was. <laughs> and you live out in the middle of did, nowhere. Did, did you guys you know, discuss South? Paul's mention of Mark in his letter to Timothy. No, we didn't circle around to that. No, great. Yeah, bring it up. Okay, so in Paul's second letter to Timothy, at the end of the chapter, at the end of the, the letter, uh, Paul's closing out and he's asking Timothy to come and he mentions bring Mark. Yes. with you, mm -hmm. for he is yes. profitable to me for the ministry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if we understand that mark to be this mark, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Then there was do. some reconciliation somewhere between this incident and that. Mm -hmm. Yes. So when we have the letter, uh, second letter there to Timothy, what's the context? Paul's ready to go. Paul's ready to go where? Home. Home. Okay. Because where is Paul? Prison. Prison. Okay, he's in prison. Which prison, which time? Um, what what type of prison? Say, House David. Rome? Okay. House arrest. More than likely in Rome, yes. Not this one. Because which imprisonment is this when he's writing 2 Timothy? Oh, this is his actual prior to his execution. Yeah, because that's what Gene gave you the, gave you the clue of Paul, Paul's ready to go home because it's right there at the end of his life and he's actually in prison prison. Uh, and that's where he asked for the, the cloak, uh, the coat, uh, to also be brought to him uh, and the papers because he's not having the access that he had when he was under house arrest the first time that he was in Rome under arrest there. And, uh, and so, again, just observation, context, interpretation, application. You know, those things, I'm going to start weaving them in more on Wednesday nights and more in Sunday school uh, because we've been talking about it church-wide a little more often. And so I'm going to bring that in a little bit more. And so since Gene took us, took us there, I thought that would be good to quiz you guys on the context. So, All right. We didn't pray yet, did we? Nope. We got gung-ho on that one. That's okay. Uh, so prayer time. Uh, so somebody just start us off, and we'll just do our popcorn prayer. I'll close us up. Dear Heavenly Father, I give thanks for our ability to gather together to listen to Pastor Mike give us the word and help us gain understanding and wisdom through it. Dear Heavenly Father, I hope you watch after my little one today. Um, it's pretty scary when she got ill. And I'm glad her parents were able to pick her up on a timely manner. I mean, I may not be her parents, but I just... I felt her today, and I just, I just wish you help her feel better, and we can see her again on Friday because I know we have to wait a day. But just thank you for being there for me to act quickly. Heavenly Father, we pray you be with the Stevens, with Dennis, and Jenny as they're visiting his sister, who is not doing too well. Pray, Father, your peace over them in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you, Father, for the way you work in our lives, and you give us peace when we're in the midst of turmoil and, and uh, difficult situations. We, we know that we can abide in you and, and uh, work through those situations with you, guiding our, our every footstep. Heavenly Father, I'd ask that you give us guidance uh, in situations that we're having at home. 
And Lord, I just thank you for everything that you've given to us and how you've blessed us. And um, just pray, Lord, that um, you would continue to help us, Lord, to be the examples that you require us to be in our love in Jesus' name. Father, I should be with Bruce and Miss Deanna, help them just to recover from this little sickness that they're having. Father, give Dee just a great visit with Kinsey and Blake and the boys. And Father, tonight as we're here, uh, just help us to be able to have great conversation, great discussion about your work. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So we are in uh, Acts 15, and we are picking it up there at verse, you said 38? 38. <clears throat> Let's do 39. I think we discussed 38 good enough. Okay. So somebody go ahead and read us 39, 40, 41. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commanded by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. So we did talk about the disagreement, and we went through that. Um, so then Barnabas did take Mark, and he started on Cyprus. <clears throat> so Cyprus is where? In the Mediterranean. Okay. And so that was the first island, the first stop on their first missionary journey. And so it's kind of like Mark took that one, and then Paul skipped it and went up and started through Turkey, uh, you know, Greece, and across that direction. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, we believe then that once they uh, Barnabas and John Mark went to Cyprus, then they came back onto the mainland and went through Asia. But when we say Asia in the Bible, what geographic region are we talking about? Turkey. Iraq, Iran. Okay, yeah, not not Turkey. Turkey would be over over here on that one. We're talking about more in this direction here, where we're talking Jordan, Syria, Iraq, Iran. Uh, Middle East. Uh, yeah, more the Middle East area would be what Bible would say is Asia on that. Okay. Uh, okay, so then uh, Paul picks up Silas, all right, and, and so they go off. Uh, why, why are they at least traveling in pairs? Why are they seemingly at least traveling in pairs? So Paul and Barnabas going, Barnabas and John Mark, Paul picks up Silas. Testimony of two. Mm-hmm. Okay. Christ set the disciples out two by two. Divide and conquer. Yeah, in, in biblical times, you know, there was that, uh, if more than one person was bringing out the same stuff, it had more legitimacy in it. Also, I can think from a practical purpose, you know, when you're traveling and going on from place to place, you're going to need a partner in crime, an encourager to help you along the way. Uh, and so I think there's also some practicality uh, within that, uh, but it's also within that representation uh, going along there. You know, the Bible talks about in, in the mouth of two or more witnesses, let every word be established. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I could see... Uh, two by two, you know, you've got you have a, another one there to corroborate that, yeah, that it happened this way, or he said this, he didn't say that, and that kind of thing. You know, so. And I think last week we talked about strengthening churches, so I, I'm good on 39, 40, 41. Anybody want something else though brought out? Did we miss anything? I found that the, you know, I, <coughs> That Silas is actually mentioned in what Corinthians and some of those is Sylvanius. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's one of those that has a double name, but not not given. Uh, he's referenced by different two different names, mm-hmm. uh, but his name wasn't changed uh, like Saul to Paul. Anybody else on anything there? Right, well, let's jump into sixteen then. And so somebody pick us up there at 1 and go through 5. Paul came also to Derby and to Lystria, 
a disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Listeria and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places where they all knew his father was a Greek. And as they went their way through the cities, they delivered them, delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and the elders who were in Jerusalem, so that the churches were strengthened in faith, and they increased in numbers daily. All right, so what do we have going on in verses 1 and 2? The introduction of Timothy. Okay, all right. So where do they come across Timothy? In the churches of Listeria and Iconium. Okay, what do we know about Timothy? From this passage, do that first. His mother was Jewish and his father was Okay, so yeah, so, so you know, so so he he is a half breed on that. Okay, somebody else. What else we know from this passage? Well thought of. Okay. okay. Now, from other passages, what what do we know about Timothy? He's very young. Yeah, he is young. Young. Okay, stereo there. Okay, good. Okay. What do we know about his mom and his grandma? Yeah, very, very faithful, yeah. you know, and, and they taught him well, seemingly on that, right? So, what's the situation with his dad? He was the oddball, and he was Greek. Yeah, I mean, he was different. <clears throat> and we just really don't know anything else about his dad on that part. It would seem like he was a Greek convert, but it never states that. That, that's just me reading between the lines that it doesn't seem like he's ever talked about negatively. You know, Paul lifts up his mom and his grandma, but he doesn't poo-poo his dad. And, and being that his mom and his grandma were so faithful, within that context, you would think that she would only marry a believer. Exceptions happen to that one along the way. Mm -hmm. So again, that's we're, I'm inferring here on that part. That he already been well, but that could be the tradition of his dad being Greek and standing his ground that he doesn't need to be. And then also it could be within Christianity, depending on how old he actually was and when he came to faith, then he wouldn't have needed to have been circumcised. Uh, if his mom and his grandma were already believers, uh, maybe from Pentecost or somebody that came back through from Pentecost and they could have gotten saved through that time period. Um, so we just don't know uh, how that is. So let's go ahead and jump into that uh, in verse 3. So what's Paul want Timothy to do? Get circumcised. So first he wants him to come with him. All right. <clears throat> Why? Why would you think that Paul is wanting Timothy to come with them? Mentor him. Yeah. Now, I think it's definitely a discipling relationship mm. that, that Paul you know, sees what God is already doing, but he realizes within that church he might be already be topping out. Okay? And so he might need a little bit more. Uh, he also could maybe think that, you know, or the Holy Spirit could be talking to Paul about that Timothy's got a, a bigger geographical mission. And so getting him out of that town, getting him out of those two churches would start to get him on the road of being able to go on the road uh, and break that, you know, mom and grandma bond of, you know, can't go away from home. You know, because, you know, we realize, you know, that most church parents, you know, they, they pray for, you know, God, you know, I really want your will on my children, except if you call them to be a missionary somewhere other than where we live. Okay? Now, now they don't voice that prayer, but as crazy as it is, I have talked to many a parent of uh, missionaries that were somewhere else in the United States or somewhere else in the world, and, you know, they didn't like that. Uh, 
they, they were they were anti their children becoming foreign missionaries or somewhere else in the United States. Now you'll notice I'm very intentional about my language. Okay? Uh, within what I just stated, I kept giving you a frame of reference geographically about being a missionary somewhere else in the United States or being a missionary uh, in a foreign country or somewhere around the world. And why do I try to always be intentional about that? You don't want us to think you're wrong. <laughs> oh, yeah, I definitely don't want to think you're wrong. The thing is, is we're all, technically, we are all missionaries. We're missionaries yes. in our own neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Yes, but sadly, over the last 50 years, we typically only use that term when we talk about people that are on the foreign mission field. But the Bible clearly states that we all are to be missionaries. We're all to be ministers of the gospel uh, on that. And so that's where I always put that reference, uh, foreign missionaries or missionaries in some part of the United States versus being here uh, on that. Well, no, I'm just saying because, I mean, you, I mean, you don't have to, like, because back then, like you said, they went in twos. I mean, you don't, you don't want to, you wouldn't have to worry about your teaching because it's like now and present. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could have somebody with you if you wanted to and say, hey, back me up here. But, you mm -hmm. you know, nowadays it's so easier yeah. just to have. Yeah, culturally, funny? we don't have to have that. Yeah. yeah. We just put nice. conditions on God, though. Isn't that funny? Like, mm -hmm. we, use me for the gospel, but please don't make my life difficult. Mm -hmm. Use me for your glory, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But don't don't give me any difficulties and give yeah. me a cush we, life. We do that. Yes. Mm. Okay. So then the second part here, so he wants them to go with him. But what does Paul realize about Timothy going with him? Okay, so he hasn't been circumcised. He's going to be going among Jews. Okay, so he's going to be among Jews. You know, and we have to understand within that culture at that time, and you know, again, just a great blessing of being there, uh, you know, that you have these baths that are public baths. They have these, you know, restrooms that are public restrooms. And so guys are around guys like old school, like back when all of us in here, I had to look for a second, uh, and, and we were in gym class and we went in the shower and everybody was in the shower at the same time. And there weren't no stalls. It was just a whole bunch of nozzles, you know, on the wall, wall type of thing there. That's the same kind of thing <coughs> here. And, and so it would have been obvious to people that he was not circumcised. Right? So, Miss Donna, what's your question? Well, I don't think that, well, first let me ask. Were all, were the, just Jewish people that were in... Uh, no, but where they were going to continue to go, there would be a mixture. Uh, when we think about that trip on modern Turkey, uh, you know, there was a mixture of Jews and a mixture of Gentiles. So he's having Timothy be circumcised because he is half Jewish. Yes. That's the and question. He's doing that to please. The Jews, not, not the Greeks. He, he is a little bit. Yep. So what what was the what was the big issue on why they went to Jerusalem Council, Miss Linda? Yes. The Judaizers yeah. and the whole issue of circumcision, and I think because the Judaizers were so intent on getting these Gentiles to get circumcised and try to convince them that that was the only way they could go to heaven and be saved, that. That and it seemed like it was obvious that people knew Timothy's background, so it was important. It was like that scripture that, that Paul says, you know, when I'm with the Jews, I'm, I act like a Jew, and I'm with the Gentiles, I act with like a Gentile. So we have two different contexts here. So this is not Paul being a Judaizer, where he's saying for Timothy's salvation, he needs to be circumcised. Right. We, 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 did, we dealt with that. I'll circle back. We dealt with that in the last chapters there. All right. So it's a totally different context. It's nothing to do with Timothy's salvation. All right. So state it. It's more like getting rid of the stumbling blocks so they don't miss the message. When he yes. Was wearing it. Yeah. And, and so, and, and then what Miss Linda said, we put those two together. 
All right. Paul does not want Timothy to be a stumbling block to the other Jews that they can't get past. He's not circumcised to be able to understand and hear the gospel on that part. So just like Pastor was talking about on Sunday, you know, sometimes even we as believers, we have those flat spot issues that we can't get past that. And we've got to get past that. And so that's where sometimes, you know, as Paul states it, you know, if he's around Jews, he doesn't eat bacon. Just to just not slap them in the face type of thing and to be like them. Um, he's not pretending. He's not being dishonest. He's just trying to fit into their culture the best they can. So like when we send missionaries to other parts of the United States or around the world, one of the things that they do in their training is study the culture of the area where they are going so that their behavior and their actions will be aligned within that culture with the exception of if it's something anti-God type of thing like that. But what is typically eaten, they will eat it. The way it's typically eaten, they will eat it in that way. And even if they don't like it and somebody offers it to them, they know they still need to eat it because then that would be an insult and a slap in the face and so if you can't handle eating crazy stuff, then you don't need to be, you know, a for, definitely a foreign missionary because you're going to come across something you don't want to eat, but you're going to have to eat it for the sake of the gospel, mm-hmm. you know, on that point. Okay, That's why so, you have an African, Andy. Yeah. So we, like we, Saudi Arabia, that, you know, like people will go witness and they'll wear, the women will wear the yep. head coverings. Yep. You know? so, yeah. All right. So we'll, we'll go, Jerry, you well, first. I want, I want Clyde to go first because oh. I think he's thinking like me, so I want to see if he is. All right. All right. Okay. Pressure, Clyde. Well, what's interesting to me is what you just said, but when you go back into chapter 15, now the sentence I'm reading to you is what <coughs> added in my translation. It's noted that way. But when, he, when they came out from the Jerusalem Council, it was, you must be circumcised. Uh, they were trying to, since we have heard that some who went out from us troubled you with words, unsettling your soul, saying, you must be circumcised and keep the law to whom we gave no such commandment. And then further down here is where they said, really, three things here were the basic part. That was when it talked about, um, don't eat things from idols, and those three. Didn't add any of that back into it, okay? So then when you go over and see this, and this might sound a little uh, weird, but it's a big difference between getting circumcised and not eating bacon. It is, yes. I'm just saying. Yes. I'm not saying that to be funny or anything. Because it goes back to understand saying, be to the Jews, the Jews, and all that mm-hmm. stuff. But at the same time, you went right back and did the same thing that the Jerusalem Council said was wrong just so you could step into um, how could you later talk to them about the same thing you just talked to back over here after you already just turned. You know, I'm not trying to change the Bible, but I'm just saying it's a little confusing. It can yeah. be, but, but the key contextual difference is they were trying to link keeping the law to being saved. Yes. Paul is not linking Timothy getting circumcised to salvation in any way. He's just trying to alleviate a barrier so that people would actually listen to what Timothy had to say. So we have two contexts that are different. And so when I also open the door to the fact that once you've done that for that reason, and I understand that, where do you draw the line at some time in the future to where anybody else that comes behind you is going to be subject to the same? You know, I understand it wasn't to get his salvation, but how would you approach later a similar situation if you tell this guy you need to do it, and then later you say you don't have to? So, uh, in some of the relationships that I've had over time, when I come along somebody that was either lost or a very young believer, okay, I would not do certain things or, um, and I can't think of a specific example at the moment, I'm doing terrible on that, I'm trying to pull out something. Um, I would not argue 
uh, tertiary scripture and theological. So when I say tertiary, I'm meaning third degree uh, theology. So when you think about theology, uh, you got primary or first degree, which is like gospel. We all have to believe that if we believe who Jesus is, death, burial, resurrection, all of those elements. So like Jesus is the son of God. Everybody has to believe that or you're not a believer on that part. Then you got secondary, which are things that typically break us in denominations. And so that would be like infant baptism versus believer's baptism. So that would be a secondary, and that's where we get denominational differences. And then third degree or tertiary would be where we would get differences even within a Baptist church between each other, uh, like end times belief. Um, whether you're more free will or more uh, sovereignty of God, you know, those are more third degree tertiary on that part. So there have been times in relationships where somebody was uh, an unbeliever or a young believer, and I would not go into any kind of debate or discussion on third degree or tertiary scripture because it didn't matter for their, who they were at that point. And it would distract them. But then as they grew over time, then my expectation was is now we can talk about anything. And so in this situation, I think Paul is going to take the gospel to Jews that are lost. And so he doesn't want that being uncircumcised to stop them from listening to the gospel. But then he's having the expectation that once they're saved and they have the Holy Spirit that then they'll actually see, oh, you don't have to be circumcised, but Timothy did that as a sacrifice to help us receive the gospel. And so the idea would be that the next trip or the next person that comes along wouldn't have to be. They probably didn't nail it down quite that much, but that would be more it is. Linda? I, I think that, too, um, circumcision was their identifier. That was what set them apart from the Gentiles. Mm -hmm. So the fact, the given fact that Timothy was half Jewish, it was critically important that he would have followed the, that particular law and, and just to gain the respect of the Judaizers because if they, he came in and said, I don't have to do this like, you know, like some of the others, I don't think he would have been given that respect no. because that's the difference between Timothy, who was half Jewish, and telling a Gentile who's who's not Jewish that they have to get circumcised. Well, and I understanding this right, that for the Jerusalem Council of the Judaizers, they were already saved, right? Yes. And these are Jews that are lost. Yeah. Okay. And and they were linking. You had to keep the law to actually right. be saved. Yeah, so if they were saying no to the yeah. they were already believed. So, Jerry, okay. did you do good or not? Clyde was on the right track. Okay. <laughs> they the same, but I've got to twist it a little bit to try to get it more clear. Okay. You answered it, did a good job, and I still got a hang-up. So okay. we got to get that hang-up out of my, my system so I can move on. Okay, it's like Clyde was saying, they came up and said, you don't have to do this. But they chose to do it with him, and you explained why you had to do it with him. But I'm still back to this, so this is where it's going to get an unfair comparison. So beat me up for that and then say, no, that ain't, that ain't my comparison, but here it is. So basically, he's going to the bathhouse, going to be identified in some form or fashion, basically. Mm -hmm. And it's going to tell who he is by that. Mm -hmm. I'm in a room full of 30 atheists, mm -hmm. and they really hate Christians or mm -hmm. believers. Mm -hmm. I'm sitting in here, and all of a sudden... There's getting this, I'm about to be discovered that I'm a believer. Okay, I feel like, well, just this once, I'm going to kind of slide into the crowd to get myself out of this situation. And then I'm going to, you know, go back and ask the Lord, forgive me for denying him and, and kind of, you know, hope I can make right with him. So basically, that's the way I feel he was doing by saying, okay, I've got to kind of hide myself here present myself as this kind of person <coughs> so that we can move on and I understand the, the, the situation it probably would be better that they, they approached it that way but it still feels like I'm denying something and I don't want that, that feeling I want to say look 
I'm, I, this is the situation. This is what we're here for. I hope y'all are going to believe us. I hope you're going to accept us. And if you don't, then Christ, what am I supposed to do? Or Lord, what am I supposed to do? But he's not being deceptive that he's not a Christian. He's not, he's not denying Christ through that behavior. Whereas in your example, you're trying to deny Christ in the room with the atheist. Okay, what would happen if he had got circumcised? <coughs> so, because since he was Jewish, when he was preaching the gospel and he was trying to point out where Christ was in the Old Testament, <coughs> the Jews would just not listen to him a, a bit, because you know he was born Jewish, <coughs> Jewish mom and Jewish grandma, and being that he was never circumcised, <coughs> then he would get no respect, like Miss Linda said. So he would give no hearing at all on that part. So let's, let's do like a lady's example. Uh, so in some countries, <clears throat> the culture is that women wear skirts and don't wear shorts or pants. And so if you're going to be a Christian missionary and you hope to get people to listen to you, then if you're a female, then you're <coughs> going to wear a skirt in that country. So it's not denying your Christianity you're just trying to fit in culturally. You're trying to remove those stumbling culture <coughs> barriers so that they will listen to the gospel. That, that's what he's doing. So like when Miss Linda was talking about, you know, to Paul saying, to the Jew I became a Jew, to the Gentile I became a Gentile. You know, that was, he didn't, he didn't ever dishonest, uh, you know, that he was a Christian. He didn't take away from any commands of Christ. But if it was within the freedoms that we have in Christ, he was willing to give up some of those freedoms for the cause of Christ. And like you said, Clyde, you know, that's where we have to understand the cost of discipleship can be very steep because getting circumcised as an adult versus not eating bacon is a big deal on that part. But that's where we have to realize there's going to be sacrifice if you're a disciple and you're trying to make disciples to make disciples, you will have sacrifice in your life. It just depends on what kind and where it is. Let me go to Neil because he had it back after Clyde and Jerry here. Uh, Paul was primarily uh, directed to to go to the uh, to the Gentiles to, to disciple them, to preach to them. Do you, do you think of Paul uh, and he brought Timothy with him before he was circumcised. Would he have been circumcised being with him in Gentile country? So when we say Paul went to the Gentiles, we have to preface that with further he goes in ministry, it's more and more Gentiles. So like right now, and even on the first missionary journey, he's hitting both. But comparatively to Peter, Peter pretty much always stays within the Jewish population of Israel proper around that. So when we do the comparison of Peter being the missionary to predominantly the Jews and Paul being the predominant missionary to the Gentiles, in the beginning it was both and then it was more Gentiles. So we just got to kind of preface it that way. If we go back to Timothy I don't know why he was never circumcised. Uh, we can we can hypothesize that his dad didn't allow it. Uh, we we don't know. It seems like his age he should have been, um, even if his parents were believer or his mom was a believer. She still should have gotten him circumcised theoretically. That part we just we can't explain that. So does that help? That second part of your question, yeah, and and I mean I, I'm just I'm just thinking that if, if he had been with Paul on on the the going to the Gentile nations and if, was if uncircumcised, it, if it was a hundred percent Gentiles, you know, then yeah, then then it wouldn't have been a big deal. Yeah, he, they, he, they wouldn't have cared about it. Yeah, on that part there, Leslie. Uh, well, I was just going to say for Jerry, you know, we talked about that verse, uh, you know, for the Jews I became a Jew, but I. Just like reading the verse before it, though, for though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. Amen. So, yeah, he could have done the bare minimum, but going the extra mile, 
you know, he gains maybe more souls, perhaps. So I don't know if that helps at all. And, and that's where, you know, within, within our life today, uh, you know, we, we need to live within the freedom that God has given us, not under the law, not being bound, even though we're still slaves in that part there. But yet sometimes we have to sacrifice those freedoms to be able to not cause a stumbling block with who we want to engage. No, my brother, he was a, a chaplain for the motorcycle group, and when he would walk in to uh, preach to the Hells Angels, he would have his leathers on, mm -hmm. right? And he would not lose his test, Christian testimony, but they respected him because he became like one of them. He, you know, he wore the same leathers, and when bad stuff would happen, they would expect you to leave or, you know, or take your leathers off, you know, like you're Christ and stuff. But the thing is, is when Paul says it became like, oh, he didn't lose his Christian testimony, but he became like one of them so they would respect him. And that's what I go to. It's like you go into a Harley Davidson type of gathering and you walk in with like, you know, a a little polo shirt and a pair of slacks, they're not going to listen to as much. But if you come like them, where you're wearing leathers and and you talk to them, you preach in the gospel, they're more apt to listen to you. I've, I've done it myself, and it's just, so, I see it that way. So JD2 and Bill Johnson are the pastor and the associate pastor of Freedom Biker Church. Uh, they're out in Vander, and so they're an SBC church. Uh, both were totally bikers, right? and got saved out of that. So along with what Lee is saying there, <clears throat> they're, not, they're not Baptists that drive a bike on the weekend and so they're trying to you know, reach people like that. Mm -hmm. No, they're trying to reach into the Hell's Angels uh, and so they'll go to bars. They'll go to the main bars that they hang out with. Uh, they get invited sometimes for special events to the clubhouses. And, and, and they'll go to those, right? and and they will drink at times, never to an extent of getting drunk, uh, never to you know where their behavior is you know being changed in any way, but they'll do that. Neither of them drink at home anymore. They just don't uh, they don't feel that that's a necessary item uh, in their life. But yet, when they're at the bar, somebody buys them a beer, you know, to be respectful within that culture, they'll sit there and they will sip on it. Now, you might not have that freedom in Christ, but you can't poo-poo them because Scripture doesn't deny that. So we got to be careful on that part. Me, I just can't do that. That's just a line that I can't cross. But now, when I would go visit mom and dad, you know, I don't come in and like take the beer out of the refrigerator or take the wine out of the refrigerator and, and, and throw it away. But when they offer me any, you know, I always just say no on that type of thing there. And, and so, you know, we have freedom, but yet we have to be willing to sacrifice it sometimes. But we need to know where our line is for our faith. And that's why. We have body of Christ because then it takes all kinds to reach all kinds. And I can reach people within this spectrum. You know, Lynn Mike could reach people in this spectrum. You know, Clyde could reach people in this spectrum. You know, and, and we just have to work through that. I think if they feel valued, people are way more likely to listen to what you have to say if they actually feel like you value them as a person rather than judging them or condemning them. Because when I taught, I taught inner city for 10 years. And the population demographic, like, it was so important to build a relationship before doing anything else. Like, they didn't care what I had to teach mm -hmm. until they knew I cared about them, you know. So I think it's the same with spreading the gospel. Mm -hmm. Anything else in there uh, through chapter, I mean, through verse 3? Are we good with that part? Okay. It's been a while, so somebody go ahead and give us a uh, read on verses 4 and 5. As they traveled through the towns, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders of Jerusalem for the people to observe. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. So you know, they went along and they were teaching the gospel. They were bringing out the points along the way. What was God doing? 
Savings to honor? Blessing. Yeah. He was bringing blessings on that. Mm-hmm. You know? and, and, and to me, you know, I just go back to Acts 2. You know, when I hear that passage, you know, that when we're being the church that we're to be, God's going to bring results. Now, is that 100% guarantee? No. No. Is it more likely? Yes. yes. So it's kind of like when you read Proverbs. Within Proverbs, you got a lot of godly wisdom in there. And you got a lot of if, then in Proverbs. But they're not a 100%. If you do this, then it's 100% guaranteed that this will come. It's more likely, it's highly likely it will come, but it's not necessary on that. If you think about Noah, how much of a gospel effect did Noah have? At least up through the ark time period. Yeah, pretty much zero. Because who all got on the on the ark? <laughs> Only his family. You know. And, and so you talk about, you know, crazy man building this big ship. Uh, and they're like, what in the world? You know, and they're like, rain, what in the world? <coughs> what? Like, you know, um, you know and, and he was faithful and he was faithful, but yet seemingly nobody believed on that part. You know, so that's where not a 100% guarantee we could be the most righteous people and witnessing and testifying, but it's not a 100% guarantee that we will create disciples. But yet, it's more highly likely that we will if we're being righteous and living it out. Leslie? I had a question. Just, um, I'm not so great with the timeline. Mm-hmm. So how many years <coughs> prior to this was Pentecost? How many years prior to this? Yeah. So we're looking at probably 10 to 12 years because we're in the, uh, the 40s okay. at this point. Okay. Okay. Yeah, late 30s, early 40s. Somewhere there could be 8 on the later yeah. side. All right. I got a couple of disjointed observations. Go. Um, like Pastor Sean often references, you know, that big 1-6 right there. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if there's any connection that Luke was drawing between not taking John Mark and then picking up young Timothy. Was it a replacement? I don't, I don't know. Just yep. a thought. Um, another thought was that Timothy, being young, but not a baby, right? circumcision was kind of a big thing. you got to think a couple times on that one, right? Mm-hmm. Leaving his mom, leaving his family, um, going places he's never been, journeys, just the, the commitment level from this young man. And we see throughout the epistles that Paul writes, he is constantly mentioning Timothy. Many of the letters are written from him and Timothy. I think 10 out of Paul's 13 epistles have some mention of Timothy in them, mm-hmm. counting the two he wrote to Timothy. Mm-hmm. So, but. The commitment of Timothy, I think, is, is just something that we could all draw a lesson from as well. And as you're saying that, you know, we see other people along the way, like Titus. Yes. I would dare say, <clears throat> I don't think we have a complete list of all the disciples of Paul that were leaders and he brought them along on the different journeys in the different churches. Uh, I, I just don't think that we have them all listed. And so I think Paul engaged more than Timothy, more than Titus, and a couple of the other guys that are mentioned on that. But it is a sacrifice for them. And we need to think through what kind of sacrifice do we have in our life? What what are we sacrificing? Are we actually sacrificing anything for God? So I'm going to go ahead and just jump into uh, the next paragraph there. Pick us up at 6 through 10. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. When they had come up to Messiah, they attempted to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Messiah, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, 
come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on to Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Yes. Okay. So, what do we see in that paragraph? It's very interesting. It's, it's the first time that we see it. John? Luke joins them. Um, I, do we have that? Pronouns change from they to we in that paragraph. Yep. Okay. That wasn't what I was thinking. So you, threw, you totally threw me off guard on that one. I was like, that is totally not what I would, you know. Like you said, you got to pay attention yeah. to the pronouns. Yeah, we do. Yeah, so good. Yeah, yeah. Good point. <coughs> not, what I was, not what I was looking for. Yeah, but yeah. He had okay. a vision of somebody okay. telling yeah. him to come and preach the gospel and help them. First time that this has happened. Yes, no. 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 Okay, no. All right. So when we see visions in the Bible like this, what's the level of confidence that the person that had the vision understands that the vision came from God? They're not 100%. sure. 100%. Yes. Yeah, you know, when, when we read, you know, passages of scripture in the Bible where people seemingly have a vision from God, they're pretty resolute that the vision came from God. Yes. All right. So yeah. coming into 2024, what's a good application then? They don't have visions. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> if you have a vision. If there's any question about, you know, is it from God or not from God, it's not from God. Okay? It's the pizza from last yeah, night. Yeah, it might just be pizza from last night or something along those lines. All right? You know, we don't, we don't need to do dream interpretation. Okay? We don't need to, you know, work through those types of things. Just because there was visions in the Bible doesn't mean that they still happen. But if they do, because I'm not saying that they're forbidden or they've ceased, but you're going to know... It's from God. Why did it be confirmation? Yeah, there, there's going to be something clear on that part. So we just got to work through that. Okay? So it was a vision of what? What was Paul's vision that he received here? A man from Macedonia. Okay. All right. So Macedonia is a little more north, a little more west. It's an area that they had not been on the first journey or so far on this second journey. All right. So it's further out into you know, the world, into Europe type of thing there. And he knew that it was from Macedonia. Mm -hmm. It was identified in the vision. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. So again, it was clear you know, on that part. So what does Paul do? He obeys. Yeah. Yeah. I think the butterfly was leading me, you know, to, to Chick Fil A, you know, for lunch chicken, and you know, and then I was supposed to get get by one, and yeah, no, on that part there. Yeah. So, but clearly, you know, obedience. You know, when you hear from God, you need to obey. Now, typically for us today, how do we hear from God? Number one is through His Word on that, but. There is another, you know, and now this takes us back up to the beginning of the paragraph. Okay, How else can we hear from God? Yes, yeah. the, the Holy Spirit can speak to us through our spirit and impress upon us. You know, Not that we're going to hear an audible voice, but yet through how we feel, how comfortable we are, the nudging, uh, prodding, to different terms that I've heard believers use along the way. Um, we get this understanding, even though we might not have heard the audible voice or had a vision to us, that we should do or we shouldn't do. And so twice <coughs> up at the beginning of the paragraph here before we get to the vision, you know, Paul's thinking, we're going there. But what's the Holy, Holy Spirit do? No, redirects. Redirects. You know, says no you know, on that part. Why didn't God allow him to go there? That's one of those God is God, Mike is not, and I might not exit understand sometimes. And that's where sometimes God's will is specific, even though at the beginning of class I said, you know, often it's not very specific. 
But yet at times it is. We look at John the Baptist. God's will for him was very specific on that part there. And that's where sometimes for us, we not, you know, it, we get we freedom to witness to anybody and everybody, but sometimes God might want to direct us in a specific way to go and be a witness over here. And so, in Baptist circles, you know, we don't like to talk about being led by the Spirit, you know, and being, you know, Spirit-filled, you know, type of thing. But that's totally biblical, you know, and, and so... You have to be careful because of the rhetoric nowadays. It's yeah. so... Well, and that, that, was, that was the problem, you know, when 1903, the Azusa Pacific revivals and the whole Pentecostal holiness movement got started, and as Baptists, we, like, panicked and pulled back in, and we said, well, we're not going to stand on the Bible and defend what Scripture actually says about the Holy Spirit. We're just going to let them have the Holy Spirit, and then our Trinity now will be God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Word. And, and that will be enough for us. And as Baptists, that's basically what we did you know, for, for the next hundred years. We don't talk about that Spirit stuff. You know, instead of standing up and articulating what the Bible says about the Spirit, we just like, not at all. And then we stunted ourselves. You know, because that is the major way that God interacts and guides us besides reading His Word. But even when we read His Word, the Holy Spirit works in us as we're reading His Word. And so when we're not trying to listen to the Spirit, and we don't want the Spirit to control us, we're really handcuffing ourselves. And I think that led to a lot of legalism within Baptist uh, because we would go by the word, but yet without that spirit filter on what was there uh, and, and whether it was figurative or literal or, or things along those lines. Other truths or applications that you see in that paragraph anywhere along 6 through 10? I think the way the Holy Spirit is referenced uh, Holy Spirit and Spirit of Jesus are equated there. Oh, kind, kind of, um, yeah. it, we're, we're looking for it. indicating, emphasizing that there is this Trinity. Mm -hmm. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus. Mm -hmm. yep. And, you know, mm -hmm. as I've talked about before, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You know, I totally see that there's a hierarchy, there are roles and responsibilities. The Holy Spirit always points to Jesus. And so I'm with you, Gene. You know, I like it, not just in here, but in some other passages, we see the Holy Spirit referenced to the Spirit of Jesus. You know, that's the problem with Pentecostal holiness movement is they elevate the Holy Spirit to be the pinnacle of our horizontal or our vertical relationship with God. And that's never that way in Scripture. The Holy Spirit is always the third lower Role, role and responsibility on that. Referred to as the helper. Yes. Yeah. And so when, when you elevate the Holy Spirit pretty much over Jesus and even God the Father, you know, you're doing a huge disjustice on that. Lee. I was just going to share this quick story. I was um, coming over. I have this heart for the homeless, and I saw this man standing with a sign, and it said, um, just, I need food. So I went up to Jason's house this last year sometime, and I said, I know, Lord, I just, because I talk to the Lord constantly, and I said, I know that he's not going to be there. I just had, and the Holy Spirit said, and I, and I, he was gone. And I drove, and I said, Lord, I don't know what you want from me today. I said, but, okay, I trust you. And so I started to reach in to eat something. He goes, don't, I heard, don't eat it. Don't eat it. Okay. And I said, okay. So I was driving. And I said, where do you want me to go, Lord? Where do you want me to go? And I had this longing to turn into Gillis Hill parking lot. And I drove, and there was a homeless man sitting down. He looked pitiful. His hands were swollen. And I said, I don't know why I'm here, but I believe the Lord led me to you. And here is the food. Because the other man just disappeared. And he said, ma'am, I've been praying so hard that God would send me somebody with some food. And I just started crying, and I just thought, God, you were just so good. You know, I was all the way here at Jason's Deli, mm -hmm. and he was all the way at Gillis Hill, mm -hmm. and I just asked God to leave me, and there he was. Mm -hmm. So you can take it for what it's worth, but I just believe it was all. Mm -hmm. The Holy Spirit and the Lord and, you know, yeah. So. 
Somebody else, anything from the paragraph here? I find it interesting that, at least in our translation, we have a new King James, and don't tell Pastor. Um, <laughs> but we have, uh, it, he says, now after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach. So when you come to a conclusion, it, it, it usually has to be everybody's on the same page with that conclusion. So they had to discuss it and talk about it and come to a conclusion that that was, that Paul's vision had validity mm -hmm. to it. So I think that's I'm good with that. You know, I think it's good for us to help people to come alongside us. To me, you know, my hearing from God is always, you know, prayer, talking and listening to God through His Word, okay, through the Holy Spirit, talking with my spirit, through other strong believers, and then through circumstances. I think God can speak to us through all four of those. I think we see that in Scripture, and I think we can see that lived out in our life. But it's always in that order. Listening, uh, talking with God through His Word is always the primary and then you go to your spirit and the Holy Spirit. And if you ever have anything within your spirit and the Holy Spirit that contradicts the word, then you're wrong on that part. And then you go to then other strong Christians. How do they feel about it? And then do the circumstances align with it? Now, sadly, what a lot of people do is they look at their circumstances first and they like it. And then they find somebody else that backs them up and says, well, that must be from God. Like you're going to get a promotion at work. And they're like, oh, well, that, that's a gift from God on that part. And they find somebody else and they go, well, that's a gift from God. And then they find some uh, peace within their spirit. Oh, yeah, this, this job promotion is from God. You know, and then they find scripture that talks about God will bless the faithful. And so they're like, I'm supposed to take this, you know, this, this new job or this, you know, this better job. Maybe not. You know, because Satan opens doors. And maybe Satan realizes that if he tempts you for the promotion, it's going to take more time away from your family life. It's going to take more time away from your church family life. It's going to get you more money, which then is going to be tempted to have to spend it and put it on your hobbies. And so, you know, that, you know we've got to work it in this direction all the time on that part there. I got another observation, Mike. Go. Um, just what Miss Linda said, uh, just prompted me to reckon with it, they concluded, but this wasn't like an instantaneous decision. This wasn't a one-time event. This took place over some amount of days or weeks because they're moving on from city to city while they're getting these three messages, right? They get the first message from the Holy Spirit, can't go to Asia. They get the next message from the Spirit of Christ, can't go into Bithynia, but they had traveled some between those two. Mm -hmm. Then they go down to Troas, I think it says go down to Troas. Then he has a vision, and then they go, you know what? I think we need to go to Macedonia. <laughs> it took three promptings mm -hmm. to right. get to that conclusion. Mm -hmm. yep. Anybody else? Anything on that paragraph? Well, let's pull to a close then, because I hate to just get started into uh, Lydia there. Uh, we'll just we'll just pick up at eleven uh, next week. So, somebody give us a closing word of prayer. Father, Holy God, I so enjoy our fellowship. I thank you, God, for creating the church, for creating uh, a body of believers that can come together and take such joy from your word and teach, take such joy from the fellowship we have together. I pray, God, that you would continue to bless this church, bless Mike and all the elders and the pastors as they bring the word, and, and, and bless the people. Uh, that we would continue to grow in love for one another, to share one another's burdens and share one another's joys. Keep us safe as we travel. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 I need to share something tonight. Well, why did you hold off, Miss Mary? Because <laughs> we didn't have that session, that's all. Oh, okay. Well, go ahead and share with us then. We still got a minute. Okay. Uh, last Thursday, I believe it was, my first and only grandson called me. He says, Grandma, he says, I'm getting baptized, Sandra. Now, I had been praying for him. He's, of course, he was my sweet little boy. He used to come to church when he was little. 
But then when he went into the military, then he moved down to Florida. And so when I had heard that he had said he had gotten saved from my son, and I says, oh, I want to talk to him. I want to talk to him and see where he's going and stuff. And so this past Sunday, I says, well, I had wanted to go with him, and then I was not feeling well Sunday, and I couldn't go see him baptized. Mm -hmm. But I told him, I said, make sure you get some pictures from me. So that Sunday morning when I called him to let him know what was going on with me, he says, Grandma, he said, I'm so excited. He says, it's so thrilling to get baptized today. And I said, I am so glad the Lord has impressed upon your heart to take that step. But anyway, that was the first sign of the prayer, you know, see God moving in the, in the week, you know, the unseen places that you just don't think about. Right. I've been praying for that young man because he's a sweet boy. And um, so he got baptized Sunday. Many, I'm coming back, Grandma. I'll show you the pictures. Many prayers over the days, the weeks, the months, and the years. And then I told his daddy, I told my oldest son, which I'm praying for my boys, to, I said, you mean to tell me you're going to let your son out, do you? <laughs> He's going to church. He, he, didn't, he didn't get the example from his daddy, my grandson, because his daddy doesn't go to church. He got some you. But praise the Lord that uh, this might be the big. I'm just waiting to see what God is going to do. I just hope I'll be around to see it. <laughs> I'm with you. All right. Thanks, everybody. It was nice to meet you. Yeah, you too. Oh,